the film series that won't die to nearly 30 movies, one house, actually several houses, and cursed artifacts. The Amityville Horror Podcast. Welcome back to the Amityville Horror Podcast. This is Tom. This is Pat. And this week we are going to try to watch Amityville Vanishing Point. Yeah, it's not just a clever title. This movie has vanished from pretty much every viable option, not available to rent or buy through any of the major streaming apps. Uh, can't get it on Amazon, can't get it on Tubi, can't get it on Netflix, any of that. Uh, can't find DVDs of it anywhere, new no. or used. Checked Amazon, checked eBay, checked Craigslist. We scoured. Yeah, there's like... The, the, seemingly the only legit place you can find it is if you go to the production company, Disc Pictures, D-I-S-C-K. Uh, they, they purport to have a rentable option and a buying option. I tried loading the trailer that they have on the website, and that didn't work. So oddly enough, I didn't feel comfy giving them my credit card information. Yeah. So we're watching it through means that, you know, you could, you know, try to figure out yourselves. And that's all we're going to say about that. But mm -hmm. yeah, but this does raise questions about movies that you cannot find anymore. Like not just oh, this is why this is on VHS somewhere, but it hasn't been loaded onto a DVD yet because, you know, interest... Well, actually, at this point, it can only be a rights issue because interest does not matter anymore. Everything oh, yeah. is on at least DVD at yeah. this point. When there's a 4K remaster of stuff like Surf 2, which I have to check out, I've heard it's fantastic. Sure, sure. But... It's not a movie that I had heard of until somebody told me about the 4K remaster. You know, there are weird and obscure movies, like Hard Bodies 1 and 2, I think, got Blu-rays recently, starring Kane Hodder, weirdly. I have a steelbook edition of Clive Barker's Rawhead Rex. Mm -hmm. This is a movie that, like, that is an edition of the movie that exists in opposition to Clive Barker's wishes. Oh, yeah, he wants it just He wants gone. the movie gone forever. Yeah, he directed Hellraiser specifically because of how horrible he thought that one turned out. And yet, much like the great villains, don't we value Rawhead Rex all the more for it, <laughs> for inspiring the heights that Clive would achieve? It did push him. Exactly. It put him in a corner and he pushed out hard. Yes. And yeah, we got the Hellraiser saga out of it. Better when he's involved. Better when he's involved. And uh, although David S. Goyer, who is always trustworthy about you know promoting things, says the one that they're working on now that's totally going to actually come out mm -hmm. looks really amazing. You know what? I know. Yeah. That he said, the last one wasn't terrible. The Hellraiser Judgment, kind of interesting. I have not seen that one yet. Really gross, really kind of interesting in a good way. Okay. Like, as opposed to Hellraiser Revelations, which was just awful. And generally, anytime your movie has a subtitle, Revelations, it's not going to be good. Not a good sign. No. Yeah. I checked out after that one because mm. I just, did, yeah. It was available on cable. And so, like, yeah, I'll give it a look. And I was like, wow, this is actually kind of neat. Hmm. Yeah. I, I was just pleasantly surprised. If it's still streaming, uh, you guys should check it out. But... 
let's talk about like let's think about like movies that you can't find anymore. Like ones you would want to watch, not Amityville Vanishing Point. Right. And there are there are obviously famous ones that everyone wants to see out of curiosity, like The Day the Clown Cried. That was the that was absolutely top of the list. Oh my god, I want to see this movie. Yeah. I believe in Harry Shearer, who mm-hmm. says that he Well, I believe he, he Harry Shearer of Simpsons and Spinal Tap fame claims to have seen The Day the Clown Cried, which for listeners at home who don't know, this was a movie written, directed, and starring Jerry Lewis about a clown during World War II, who ends up in a concentration camp in Germany and is employed by the Nazis to lead the children into the gas chambers. Uh-huh. And you may think that, okay, okay yes. Just, that is, just, just that take, is enough. Just take a moment. Take that concept in. You know, I can hear arguments out there of, well, you take something like that and trying to blend the light and the dark... For something like Life is Beautiful, which wound up being a very great film. Yes. Uh, you had less great, but Jacob Delire was employing a similar yeah. premise loosely. Never saw it. But this one is apparently just all of the wrong decisions. Yeah, it, it's like very, from what we've heard described, or from what I've, what I've read, it's did not, no subtlety, no iron, no tra- trace of irony, like not understanding that this is not a thing you should make a slapstick comedy. Right. This wasn't trying to temper the pathos with moments of levity and a strong face, you know, for the children. No. This was trying to do something like, you know, the bellhop. Yeah. In a in concentration a, in a camp. In a concentration camp. There is... Uh, so Jerry Lewis, when he caught, like did some test screenings of it, the reaction was so vehement, he locked it in his vault. Like, literally. He had, like... Jerry Lewis was quite prolific, not unlike Prince, and had a vault of stuff. And I'm not, like, the ru- the rumors of Jerry Lewis's vault aren't the same as the rumors of Prince's vault, oh. which supposedly actually has a full soundtrack to the the first Michael Bay Transformers movie done by Prince, which, dear huh. God, I want so bad. I'll have to ask around about that. Exactly. But, um, but, but yeah, the, the, the Prince vault is confirmed. Like The I, vault is confirmed. The contents are uh, There's thousands of tapes in there that's what they all say but like it's i worry it's going to be al capone's vault all over again um i don't want to say what my source is but i do know somebody (laughs) who has seen it okay fair enough um somebody who has worked with print had worked with prince back in the day very closely on some projects Mm -hmm. and did verify that oh yeah there are tapes upon tapes upon tapes fair enough and it's stuff that he did not feel comfortable, you know, releasing. He didn't think it was his best work. He might have it there, like, you know, to go back over old ideas and find a way to make yeah, it right. Sure, sure. I completely understand that. This is how art works. That exactly. This was, Jerry Lewis couldn't bring himself to destroy the thing, but he knew he could not release the thing. But even then, posthumously, uh, they've talked about it being a matter of like five, ten, or twenty years, yeah. enough to give it a distance so it doesn't immediately sully the legacy or yeah. something like that. It can be released as an archival curiosity. Yes, there is. However, there is a few random like snippets of stuff on YouTube, mm-hmm. clips from it, and. I mean, on the one hand, it the stuff I've seen is like once again just showing Jerry Lewis is just funny. 
Uh, he, he's just a very clever physical comedian. On the like, mercifully, the the footage I've seen had no children in it. It's just him doing shenanigans in a clown act in purport, uh, what I would assume would be the actual circus t- p- parts of the movie, right? As opposed to the Pied Piper of uh, was it Simon of uh, no. It's like the the Zyklon B Pied Piper. Oh God! <laughs> yeah. So that's one. Definitely would like to see it out of idle curiosity, but I God, can't yes. imagine it's going to be at all enjoyable. No, it's going to be terrible. Harry yeah. Shearer says it's uh, compared it to like the Grand Canyon, where it's just like you hear people talking about a thing before you see it, and then you see it and are like in this case horribly surprised to see mm-hmm. that it lives up to the legend. Yeah. Now, this one we've never seen, but are there any movies that you have seen that have never gotten a proper release or have been so completely out of print for so long they're more or less lost to the world? Uh, funnily enough, I did or I, I did get a delivery from Amazon. I finally broke down and bought the bare bones Blu-ray edition of Gross Point Blank because they're just never going to release a nice super edition of it with like bells and whistles because dear god why wouldn't you this is movies amazing and yet look it's just it's not out of print out of print but it's not given the love that fair, it deserves fair. i mean but like yeah. yeah out of print out of print well like a nice copy of super fuzz like is that even on yeah um, i have it, super yeah, I have it on DVD. Is, yeah i've got it on dvd and yeah. i remember buying a blu-ray that wound up being a bootleg that was just the dvd transferred to a blu-ray disc sure so eh. yeah that one uh gozu uh takashi miki's film has like a very straightforward dvd but that is one of the ones that i would desperately like more info and more bonus features on, but yeah, yeah. Like, like we said, there's very little that's not in print, like in some yeah. form at this point. There are two that I had seen as part of, like, you know, film series or whatnot. One of them was a special presentation at uh, the BMA, the Baltimore Museum of Art. Um, Bill Plimpton, uh, who's known yeah. as an animator. Um, he's, you know, won Oscars for his shorts. Pretty great. Um, yeah, he's done, you know... Your Face. Uh, I yeah, mean, Your Face version. was from his first film, The Tune, mm-hmm. the very first movie to ever be hand-animated by a single person. Madness. <laughs> and because of how much madness that was, his second film um, was prom- uh, predominantly live-action with some animation mixed in, including... A talking dog who he would basically just draw the lips and then superimpose it over the frames. Uh, It's called Jay Lyle. Oh, dear. And I remember seeing it at the BMA, enjoying it, but it's one that so far I have not been able to find a copy of. Mm -hmm. He's never had it when I've seen him at conventions. Uh, I've just never been able to track a copy down. If it is out there, it is hiding. Mm. Uh, but I would love to have a copy of that to complete my collection of his. And it's his live-action movie. Yeah. That's just right there notable enough. It's surprising that Shout hasn't tried to get a hold of it since the, they seem to have just about everything else of his. Well, yeah, I, based on how limited it is, even when he was putting out his own discs, mm. that wasn't included. So I don't oh, know wow. why it's not out. Fair. Um, I should probably just email him through his website and find out or whatnot. That'd be an easy option. Yeah, maybe, maybe there's an F, like he has an FAQ on the uh, 
the website about it. There was, I can't remember the title of it now, but when I was in college, they screened this fascinating uh, Irish movie about teenage Irish dirtbags doing kind of like a gumball rally where it was all, it was like Belfast kids versus Dublin kids who can steal cars and drive better. I forget what it was called, but it was like, it ends up being like pretty grim at the end of it, and it was a uh, like, like the last shot is like the last two people that are just like all the cars are destroyed. The last two people are just in the woods, just trying to get somewhere, and it was like really haunting. And it kills me that I can't remember the name. It's something very generic, like Driven or something like gotcha. that, but not like the Sylvester Stallone Driven right. movie, which is. Just hilarious, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Rennie Harlan classic. God bless you, Rennie Harlan. Mm-hmm. Just any any excuse for Rennie Harlan, but yeah, yeah I can't. What some something that isn't in print? Because like I have a list of things that I'm trying to get on Blu-ray, mm-hmm. but mostly it's stuff I have on DVD. But yeah. I would like a nicer copy of it. But yeah. like, well, yeah, go ahead. Uh, there's another one uh, that I saw. They showed it at Vulgarthon, which was a Kevin Smith movie festival <laughs> up in Red Bank, New Jersey. Uh, he did it. He's like, not every year, but he would. He did it consistently over the over a couple of years, where he would show like an extended cut of one of his movies, a bunch of movies that his friends made, stuff like that. Uh, but it was kind of a mini convention around Kevin Smith and his friends' movies. Yeah. And there was one called Big Helium Dog, which is, I think, the only one that I saw at one of those that hasn't been released in some fashion. Uh, It was written and directed by Brian Lynch, who went on um, mostly to work in family films. He's done the Secret Life of Pets movies. Um, He's done a lot of stuff with Illumination and DreamWorks. Um, He wrote Hop. Uh, the Easter Bunny movie. I did, yeah. I mean, it's a lot of family stuff. It's not... Look, I'm judging you for knowing these things. Well, because I followed his career <laughs> because Big Helium Dog was hysterical. All right. And not a family film, R-rated, uh, but very in the spirit of kind of Zucker, Abram Zucker stuff, uh-huh. but um, kind of mockumentary. Basically, the movie is... As the narrator, um, or host, I guess you would call it, puts it, a noble first effort. Uh, Michael Ian Black comes out at the beginning of the movie and explains that he is there to walk you through this noble first effort where mistakes may have been made through the production. He's there to help clean up plot holes or production gaps or whatnot. And they get sillier and sillier at one point. There's a scene where he explains the characters arrived on set, they were tired, and everyone forgot who was playing who, so they just jumped into the parts all wrong. <laughs> that's sort of like the... Um, on the uh, original DVD of Blood Simple, there's a commentary track by Oh, my sweet Jesus, yes. And uh, the historian is a fake historian, and everything he's saying was written by Joel and Ethan Cohen. And so, like, right at the beginning, like, the famous shot of, uh, like, the, ba- the the silhouette shot of uh, uh, the car with John, the rain of uh, John Getz and um, Dan Hedaya? No, no, it wasn't her name. Francis McDormand. Oh, well, oh like right, right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. This, yep. Like, it's just this, uh, I'm explaining it for the people at home. Yes. Uh, the, it's just a, ba- a shot of them from behind as they're driving. And uh, it's it's basic it's almost in black and white, and 
the historian says, like, this scene proved a particular challenge for John Getz and Francis McDormand because it was being filmed upside down, reverse, and backwards. Yeah, for reasons that take five minutes to go through yeah. and are hysterical. Yeah. Uh, the commentary track also talks about Blood Simple's use of CGI and animatronic <laughs> animals um, and how groundbreaking it was as a special effects endeavor. Yeah. Um, also that it was a six hour epic about the Russian circus originally yes if you get None Blood Simple make sure it has the commentary track yeah it is one of the funniest things I've ever heard it's so good um, but yeah Big Helium Dog features Michael Ian Black it features Kevin Smith um, it features not Joey Lawrence as not Joey Lawrence um, that's a whole gag for the oh no there's, there's just a running gag on it but um, a lot of familiar faces pop up and I'm just blanking on a few. But just front to back, it is hysterical. I saw it at two different vulgar thons. I have tried to track it down forever, but for whatever reason, it is not Yeah. It is not out there. He doesn't want to release it, um, or he can't. I don't I don't know what it is. Yeah. But that's one I so sorely want to have on my shelf just so I can lend it to people, just so I can share it yeah. with people. Um so yeah, Big Helium Dog and J. Lyle would probably be my two vanished movies. Fair. Yeah, that's still yeah, the bit like the legit vanished one is that Jerry Lewis thing. Yeah. Which one day we will. Hopefully mm-hmm. I live long enough. But in order to get there, we have to wa- we have to actually watch Amityville, Vanishing Point, which I have no idea what it's about. But we'll find out. We'll yep. see you in about in, in uh, ninety two minutes according mm-hmm. to the counter. Uh, good luck. Yeah. Hey, it's Pat again. And Tom. And we have, after another bad copy, finally found an actual official copy of Vanishing Point on the Troma Now app. Uh, so it's a subscription service that's basically the Troma library, which is more than Toxic Avenger and yeah. such a Kabuki Man and all. Um, Disney Plus, but Troma. Yeah, and Troma was very famous for being an acquisition company for many, many, many years. Oh, yeah. uh, it was honestly the bulk of their library. That's how we got like Cannibal Holocaust. Uh, mm-hmm. That's how we got Studio Condom. Ghibli. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, uh, I actually, uh, years back, I had, for an anniversary present, gotten, uh, now ex girlfriend, uh, an original Totoro poster. From the trauma release when oh, it first funny. came to the U.S. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. And gross. Yeah. But anyway. But yeah, so uh, Troma now has the movie. If this version does not work... We're not trying again. <laughs> yeah, this is it. I think we already may have a full episode once... I'll probably edit down some of the stuff. But Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we'll yeah, we... we, we, we yeah, we, we've tried to introduce this movie three times. Let's just watch it. Yep. And get it done, because it doesn't look like it's going to be good. <sighs> wish us luck. <laughs> now that you've wished us luck, yeah. See you in a minute. Uh, well, we finally watched Amityville Vanishing Point. I will never forgive you listeners for making us do this. What? Just what? What? And if any of you are feeling like that's unfair blame, we know that we have regular listeners and we don't want to let you down. 
Um, but this is, kind of this is directed at you. But <laughs> if we had no listeners, we wouldn't have been able to bail. Oh, man. I, oh. I um, stopped taking notes after a while. I, I kept taking notes. I had trouble taking notes in the beginning, too, because it's just... This is a fever dream of a movie, but not in a fun way. No, this is... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. This Thank is... you, cat. My cat doesn't usually complain like that at movies, but... This is how bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, it was directed by, I believe, an 18-year-old. Yes, according to the IMDb trivia. 18 mm-hmm. years old. First feature-length film by Dylan Greenberg. Yeah, and she really went for a David Lynch, uh, specifically Twin Peaks, but yeah. it was dabbling of other Lynch in there. Yeah, the subtitle of this movie is not Vanishing Point. It's Amityville, colon, have you seen Twin Peaks? Because I just saw it, and oh my god. It's the best thing ever. Um... But it's it's Pigeon Twin Peaks. Yeah, it, it, this was made by somebody that watched Twin Peaks, loves Twin Peaks, but doesn't understand what the things in Twin Peaks do to make it a good thing. Right. It's like somebody discovers, you know, is like getting into metal, but then like falls for, say, Celtic Frost, and the lesson they pull is, oh, loud. No, 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 no. There's other. Um, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's a lot of interesting uh, camera angles. A lot yeah. of lighting choices. Uh, Lynch does tend to light things differently and not necessarily with realism in mind, but stylistically Th- there's and just a f- There's a floodlight that is in front of the camera in every single shot. Mm-hmm. It, it, there's like a, a bunch of funny moments where like the people the the actors will turn towards the camera and immediately be blinded and they react on camera oh god maybe that was the strategy because there is more time spent looking at the camera in this than in Ferris Bueller yes and this doesn't have any characters that are aware of yeah even though there will be a narration, uh, like a voiceover at the end that has nothing to do with anything. Yeah. Um, we're not going to use character names because they're, other than Margaret East and Hank Denton, they're other than, those are the only character names I could get. Yeah. I think the, well, normally when somebody says a character name, I will make a note of it and yep, then same. I will contextualize it with who the previous character was talking to. Yeah. But the way this is shot and edited, I don't know who was talking to who because it cuts to an arbitrary other interesting angle. Yeah. Um, But the sound will keep going. Yeah, sound will keep going, sometimes in sync, sometimes not. And you don't know who's facing where. There's There's no geography to the setups. Um, it, it's almost as if the person making the movie does not know how to tell a story visually. I'm going to go with that, yep. Because, yeah, this thing is just incomprehensible. Oddly enough, like I'm remind, I was reminded a lot, like, in comparison with Forbidden Zone, which, uh, the, yeah. the, the Oingo Boingo movie, because that was their first movie. Mm-hmm. It's a bunch of people that are clearly talented, 
and we're throwing together the loosest of all possible plots uh, of connective tissue between stuff happening mm-hmm. and it is still manages to tell a, a horrible horrible story like yeah. forbidden zone it is it is a watchable movie even if it is just revolting yeah which it is yeah even though i love it but it's revolting this is just revolting and incomprehensible and annoying yeah. like what is the point of having all these dream sequences if you have no you, you establish no real baseline reality well, at a certain point I lost track of what was supposed to be a dream sequence and what wasn't yeah because everything was shot with dream logic yeah so it's like error like like the, we have like the explicit dream logic scenes and then those are contrasted with the scenes of just uh, filmmaking incompetence mm. which end up reading as if they have dream logic yeah um, it's it's an art project more than a movie it is a finger painting it's the it's like <laughs> art it's a film finger painting. Yeah. Than uh, say your uh, film school mm-hmm. project, a lot of um, passionate broad strokes yeah. that don't really come together into any sort of cohesive whole. Luckily, the the director Dylan Greenberg, you'll you'll know that she's the director because her name is listed as the director. No, no, le- at least three times, at least not three twelve times. in the credits. Yeah, uh, well, uh, listed as many credits like. Uh, you know, editor, writer, yeah, yeah, co editor, co writers, yeah, yeah. But I'm pretty sure in the closing credits, three separate times, a film by, directed by, written and directed by, like, yeah, yeah. it was in there several times. And the closing credits were clearly copy pasted, yeah, because when there's like the music rights, uh, sometimes it's capitalized, sometimes it's uh, the titles in quotes. Uh, it's all over the place. It was, yeah, it wasn't even run through a basic like word processor no, for, no. for consistency or any of that. Yeah. So while Dylan Greenberg has a lot of passion for the project, none of her actors do, no, and this they, becomes troublesome. They're, they're immensely supportive okay. friends, but I won't say passionate. Except for the guy playing Hank Denton. Oh, passionate. but he co- he co-wrote it, so yeah. that's part of why. But okay, so. To try to tackle this movie, it opens with uh, Margaret, who you would later find out is named Margaret East, dying at the bottom of a stair of an outdoor staircase, concrete steps, and some weird dude with a pink jacket and a wooden walking stick leaves a saucer of milk by her dead body, and then we get a very Twin Peaks opening credit sequence. And then people meeting up at the Amityville boarding house, because Amityville... Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the tie. That, that's the tie to uh, attend Margaret's funeral. And then everything goes off the rails, like, almost immediately. Because, like, at the funeral, this Hank Denton guy shows up who... Uh, between F-bombs, claims to be some sort of federal agent investigating... Sort of, yes. But it's he, never made entirely clear. Yeah. He's just some psychotic who shows up at the house. Again, claims to be an FBI agent. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. Yeah. Um, and wants to figure out who killed this girl who lived at this house. So he moves in with them. Yeah. 
Well, it is a boarding house. True. Uh, that's not usually standard procedure for these kind of cases. Eh, no. No. Uh, and then everything after that is completely incomprehensible. Yeah. Uh, his first attempt to figure out clues is breaking out his personal baseball card collection yeah. that he uses as tarot cards, sort of. Some sort of scrying ritual yeah. using baseball cards, particularly his Keith Hernandez mm-hmm. Mets he- card. Huge, huge Mets fan and Keith Hernandez fan. So that right off the bat, you know he's an asshole. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Fuck the Mets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, sorry. Eh. I'm not sorry. So, oh yeah, oh, and like he. It's not every scene, but more than half of his scenes, literally every third word he says is fuck. Yeah. Like I think it was supposed to be an inside joke. Maybe. Or it's just like, hey, we're trying to be offensive and uh, or go over edgy, the top or, or edgy. I don't know. There's very real. There, I, there. I have trouble assigning any sort of intention to anything that happens in the movie. Yeah, I was. Um, I think that maybe the floodlighting was intentional to keep actors from looking at the camera. Maybe, but it didn't work. So I don't know if that was intentional. It was not successful. No. So within the first night, Hank decide, like announces to anybody listening that he is going to have a lucid dream. And sure enough, he does. And it's just, you know, them trying to do the Twin Peaks dream sequence with, you know, a bunch of scene people. Every other person in this movie is a scene person. Mm-hmm. Uh, between, like, the clothing, the piercings, the makeup, the hair... And uh, in this dream sequence, it's all just screaming, violent gyrating, and as near as I could tell, the monster love child of Dr. Forrester and TV's Frank. Dear God, that's accurate. I know. Like, I, I was saving it for it. I didn't want to, uh, yeah. like, break it out while we are watching, but, I mean, <laughs> we're, we're talking, he has the horrible stringy red hair, but in a big bouffant. He is horrific. He has the worst beard I have ever seen in my entire life. And he's wearing a bright green button-down shirt. Yeah. It was... I I couldn't believe it. Um, Yeah. And they basically just kind of chant, dance. Uh, There are people in the background bobbing up and down. Yeah. They say a bunch of, air quote, mystic-type things. Yeah. None of it will pay off later. Yeah. It's all supposed to be, again, Twin Peaks-esque red herrings, except it... And this is a separate conversation for many hours, but there's intent to everything in Twin Peaks. There really is. Yeah. Every Even line in season does, two. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe not every line in season two means something, but when Lynch and Frost are at the helm, yeah. it's all very specific. This sounded like, say something profound in this next scene. Like what? I don't know. Make it sound profound. Yeah. Uh and then they're all like, I'm sorry, listeners. I'm, we're really it, it's our fault because it's this is there's like twenty thousand characters in this thing, and like every mm-hmm. scene has something something between four and ten characters. Most of them are being introduced for the first time, as evidenced by there's like this ten minute sequence where every other line was, "Who are you? 
Who are you? And I wrote down, who is everyone? I'm not getting any of these names. Yeah, dude, they kept asking are not really telling us whatsoever. And definitely no relation as to who anyone actually is at the house. No, we have like one, one lady is the boarding house, is the head of the boarding house. And between her and these three main girls... Are also try- like those four are trying to actually figure out who killed Margaret East, mm-hmm. in addition to Hank Denton. For but like they knew Margaret, and so they want to find the killer. Yeah. Or, but you know, or wait, are they looking for the killer or just the explanation for how she died? Is like, do they even say she was murdered? I, what the fuck is this movie? Everybody's trying to figure out what happened to her. By saying they want to figure out what happened to her. Nobody's really doing any actual investigations. Uh, nobody's trying to look for clues. Uh, like, there's one scene. Hank. And then Hank, who, again, is trying to divine things off of baseball cards and then just kind of stay in his room, except when he goes out to berate people. Then goes to the ace in the whole club. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, which is not one eye jacks whatsoever. No, no, no. Yeah. Completely different concept. Yeah. It's imagine one eyed jacks except more as a punk venue. Yeah, just a basement that is soundproofed enough that they don't get the police called every single time. Yeah. So basically overall this is a punk house made a horror movie. Yeah. Inspired by Twin Peaks. But and bad. Yeah. Um <laughs> like that should be awesome. That should be awesome. Yeah, it sounds great on paper. Yeah. Uh, but if none of them really know how to construct scenes, like you could mm-hmm. you could tell there were artistic visions at play. Yeah. Uh but it Nobody's I, acting. Yeah. I've seen stuff like this over the years from just being around multiple, you know, theater scenes and music scenes and all that. There are sometimes those personalities that are so, like, they're just big personalities, they're passionate, they talk a big game, and people will follow them through because they will get a thing done, but they're also the level of passionate where they don't listen to any feedback. And this is this struck me as that. This struck me as, you can riff when I tell you it's okay to riff, otherwise... It needs to be like this. Well, I don't think that makes sense. Just do it. And so, it turns out everybody was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it was like you get these really... To say that these line readings are flat is a uh, insult to the fl- to the good flat earthers in our audience. Mm-hmm. It's just like there'll, there'll be moments where a ghost appears and the person noticing the ghost will literally say, just as I'm saying, oh, look, a ghost. Mm-hmm. That's, cool. Yeah. Uh, the most emoting for lines usually is when a person's trying not to laugh. Yeah. And everybody is really struggling throughout the entire movie. There's one mm-hmm. part where, like, somebody is uh, supposed to be asleep, and you can tell they're struggling not to giggle to themselves. Yeah. I'm, and that's why, I, like, I didn't want to paint the director as, you know, harsh on no. set. Just maybe strong in vision and... This is a lot of incompetence. Yeah, a lot of incompetence and confidence in what they think they can do. Uh, But yeah, it seemed like everyone was having fun based on how much on-screen laughing there was. Uh, Jimmy Fallon not in this movie, but he would fit right in. Yeah, same with Bill Hader. Yeah. Um, Uh, And and then Lloyd shows up. Oh my. (laughs) Then we have like our second dream sequence 
which starts with like instead of Hank just laying down and saying he's going to sleep, he is drinking a Campari and soda in a kitchen, and then all of a sudden is whisked away to some weirdo club. That was Otto's shrunken head. That's where they had Lloyd. Okay. Uh, it's a bar in New York that's a pretty fun bar. It's like a tiki-themed bar. That makes sense. And I saw it in the credits and was trying to place it. It was the Uncle Lloyd's. Gotcha. Name. And then all of a sudden, he's getting more information. I say information. It is complete nonsensical bullshit. But it's being delivered by Lloyd Kaufman, mm-hmm. who, not oddly enough, but of course, will be the most competent and, you know decent actor in the entire film yeah he's like he can give you he knows what to do to give mm -hmm. you what you need yeah because he's lloyd kaufman nobody's ever going to give him an oscar but he understands what delivery is supposed to be yeah not phoning it in not just doing like a stupid like not treating it as like a silly little cameo or anything anytime he can cameo in somebody's if you if you want him for your movie and you can find a way to get to him or get him to you. He'll just do a scene in your movie for you because he wants to support independent yeah. filmmakers. He's great about it. He's the A team for independent film. Yeah. Um, if you can find him, yeah, you can hire yeah. Boyd he, Kaufman. He, he trauma, gets, trauma, trauma, trauma. Sorry. Yeah. But like, and he's definitely reading scripted lines. Um, yep. One of which I had to jot down. Real thought does not happen on a rigid timeline. No, it does not. Which that was pretty mm-hmm. good. It was. It's a shame that that was a subsu- or washed away with a five-minute monologue about a German plane engine crashing into somebody in Florida. His mother. Paradox. Yeah, his mother. I know, but yeah, like, and him trying to figure out how the jet engine would have gotten over to America and how it must have been shot down that the engine could have traveled around the world. But this is definitely recorded in one take. Mm-hmm that they didn't use because instead while he's giving us this monologue he's dancing dancing. Uh, his lips are not moving while he's dancing and I think it's supposed to approximate the arm from Twin Peaks a little bit and they like they even have a line is like how are you doing that without moving your lips which was an insert shot I think later yeah there was I think there were a couple places where you could tell they had to shoot a thing to explain a thing they just did yeah yeah um, which, which actually probably explains half of the movie. Yeah. Uh, After that, it gets a little fuzzy before the... Well, we'll get to it. Yeah, well, we, there was the dream with the basement people. There was a oh, gray man. Oh, the rock kept, show, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, the rock show. Oh, the um, gray man, yeah, Mr. There's a gray man that keeps appearing mysteriously until it shows up and it's just a dude. Yeah, um, with a, uh, like a Nick cat pulled over his entire head. Yeah, and it's all—it's gray. Everything about him is gray, and uh, yeah, now you know everything we know about the gray man who pops up at least three times yeah. in the film, and is maybe the last image. No, no, it's uh, them on the the subway. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, the gray man has about as much screen time as boom mics. Yeah, this is a boom movie. Yep, a lot of booms. Um, there's a whole sequence where. They're just hanging out on the porch, not trying to solve any sort of murders whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And um, and one of the roommates has grown hydroponically, except he doesn't know what the word hydroponic means, revealed in some yeah. brilliant improv. Oh, uh, God, yeah, there's 12 people on this porch, and 
this one guy is trying to sell cannabis-infused fruit. Yeah, apples and grapefruits in particular. Yeah, and none of the people on the porch are taking any of it seriously. Like, it's not that they're laughing at the guy's trying to sell a, a ridiculous thing. Yeah. They're just laughing because they're giggling about being in a stupid yeah. movie. It's and, like they put the rehearsal into the take. Yeah. Like the blocking run. Yeah. And one of the, one of the people there appears to be the Joker mm-hmm. for reasons. And then another person is a belly dancer who, after ca- consuming the cannabis fruit, goes into a whole belly dance mm-hmm. because, you know, we mm-hmm. have people that know how to do things and we don't have a plot. Yeah, but to make sure it's artsy, uh, the belly dance is played in reverse. Yeah, there's for reasons. Uh, yeah, or actually, a couple no, times. Yeah, it's a, it's a favorite trick through the course of the movie to get that dreamy, not at all Twin Peaks like no, feel. Exactly. Just play the footage backwards. Later, there's a girl who does a striptease for the mm-hmm. FBI agent, and that was shot in reverse. And this was a good, what, three, four minutes long? Yeah, it just keeps going. And yeah. you see her trying not to laugh through yeah. the whole thing. She cracks at least three or four times. Yes, she does. But we're not even close to there yet. Because we yeah. still have uh, we have the rock show. Oh, right. Which, man, that goes on for ten minutes. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like... They play two songs at least? Maybe yes. three? Yeah, they're credited for mm-hmm. two songs. It's This is neon music. And imagine the, the part in a back to school where all of a sudden Oingo Boingo is there just playing an entire song mm-hmm. and like the movie kind of stops that kind of is what happens here yeah. this well, they is, get this two is, songs yeah although there is plot air quote in the second song in that a fight breaks out yeah Hank is there this is the ace in the whole club which you you know one eyed jacks but you show up with a uh, ace of spades playing card and you put it into a mannequin's hand that's on a uh, screw gun that ends up just spinning around randomly, and then you're allowed in. And so, in the basement, in the rock show, Hank starts gets into a big fight with the guy on keyboards. Yeah. Now, the guy on keyboards is also the bouncer in yeah. the previous scene, but for house shows like that, that's not unheard of. No, but he is... Like, you see him get, like, walk off the stage from the keyboards, and then they start fighting. Yeah. Uh, And while they're fighting, there's a girl standing in front of a wall painted as the American flag, holding a microphone on an XLR cable, giving commentary about the fight. Mm. So, And she's not the singer of the band. No, she's not. Um, That would be She's just somebody standing off to the side of the club with a live mic commenting on the brawl. And there's also a sword dancer. Right. Yeah. Uh, who does not use the sword in the fight whatsoever because no, no, she's no. still part of the band that is still playing yeah. during the fight even though the song has keyboards despite lacking the keyboardist. He's playing it psychically at that point. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then two of our roommates have a surprisingly graphic lesbian scene. That neither of them are interested in. No. It's like, it's one of those, it's just, ugh. It's like you try not to judge it because Mm. it's like a nude scene and they're not professional actors, so it's like, but... But when their lips touch, it has the chemistry of somebody getting their first kiss in a middle school play. Yeah. Yeah. It's not great. 
Not really. That goes on for... Well, like, when you can tell the actors aren't having fun, it ruins all the fun for me. Yeah. And so it's like, just why? And then they hatch a plan to figure out what Hank Denton's about. And then we get to the uh, the strip... The, the uh, do the reverse striptease, right? Uh, reverse striptease. The one of the girls who lives there invites him back to her room to look at her baseball card collection, which looks a lot like his baseball card collection. Mm-hmm. Then she does the reverse striptease, and then when he goes to grab her, she gets upset because there was some confusion <laughs> as to whether she was hitting on him or not. Yeah, which is fair because yeah. I was confused. Yeah, uh, maybe her laughing through it was supposed to be the clue that no, that's not consent. Yeah. So he gets angry. He goes to choke her. Yeah, and then looks over and sees the Keith Hernandez baseball card. Yeah, his all-time favorite player in that Mets uniform. And then, apropos of nothing, the camera has an extreme close-up of his fully erect penis, just gunning it. Yeah, just um. It's like trying to get the ice cream machine to work at McDonald's. It just keeps shooting half load after half load. Yep, there's at least five separate ejaculations mm. on camera. Like, directly into camera. Yeah. and Over just, and over again. Then you'll cut back to his face, then you'll cut to Keith Hernandez, and then boom, and then boom. And they're doing, like, when they cut to his face, it's like full-on Lost Highway, slow motion, scream, noises... Mm-hmm. And, uh, again, lots of ejaculate. A lot of it. Almost as much ejaculate as boom mics. Yeah. Really cannot stress enough how much boom mic is in this movie. But the dildo they were using appeared to be bigger than the boom mic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It did take up a lot more screen. Um, a little before that, though, I do need to, because... Oh, if I... I mean, no, no, no. no my, my notes are completely absent in this section, because yeah. I just was um, staring in horror at the entire film. Even I before... look at my notes. The gigantic to... cock shot. Mm-hmm. No, I, had, I, I, I would occasionally take notes just to look away from the screen, because Fair. there's also... There's well, some shaky cameras. Well, that's clever. That, that's, a, that's a clever approach. Yeah. Ooh, I gotta start doing that. Yeah. Anytime uh, it was clear that they needed a tripod for a long shot... I just would start taking notes because the jitter is Dramamine required. Yeah, yeah it's pretty bad. Um, also, the dialogue in those scenes... Because like, it's like a very zoomed-in shot, so every movement is just exaggerated on screen. Yeah, and since they didn't have the microphones anywhere near the actors, um, it's 80-yard occasionally in yeah. ways that don't match anything. Yep. Typically, they'll just play music over people talking far enough away. <laughs> but, yeah, so I was taking notes, um, and at one point, the detective does find the secret diary of... Oh, yeah, but it was Palmer. Margaret East. Margaret East. But it wasn't even that. No. It was like the cult manifesto, because there's a cult. There is apparently a cult in the house. Yeah. And the cult manifesto looks well. Yeah, it, it, like like when when he finds it, it is very mm-hmm. reminiscent of the uh, of some elements of the secret diary, some elements of uh, catching the big fish. Uh, David Lynch 
book on writing and the creative process, mm, yeah. uh, to the point of even speaking about fish and fish eggs and things like that. Basically, again, trying to summarize the book without having understood it whatsoever. Yeah. Um, combining that with some of Lynch's ideas over the years of how entertainment is in a separate universe and the Twin Peaks universe exists as its own pocket reality and it's affected by the fact that it has viewers. Like, Laura Palmer was killed because the show needed a drama to launch it. Fair. Yeah, things like that. It's, again, take those ideas and go completely off the mark on it. It's just about this universe 8,000 feet above us in the skies, created of electrons, but there are fish eggs. Sort of, kind of like that. Still makes more sense than this movie. Yeah. It's... Cousin Larry explains David Lynch to Balky. Balky then tries to explain David Lynch to somebody else. I feel like that's what we got. Mm, yes, but again, not charming. No. Because perfect strangers was <laughs> the best thing ever. Yeah. If we could have stood tall on the wings of their dreams uh. instead of these... Best lyric ever, by the way. Oh my God, that's uh, that's one of the greatest TV theme songs ever. That song oh, yeah. is just tight. Yeah, but that that stands above. Like, oh, God. I'm not sure what my next tattoo is, but come yeah. on. Yeah. All right. So yeah, we had we had the secret diary, which, by the way, does not solve or affect anything in the plot. Nothing just... affects anything. That's the thing. There's no going. There's no connective tissue to anything yeah. that happens in this movie. Yeah. There's at one point a priest shows up to the house, sort of tries to do, to do an exorcism. Sort yeah. of, I guess, does an exorcism, even though there was no sign of possession, or maybe there nope. was, or. But yeah, he coughs up blood onto his Bible there. So instead, we just see him next time at the funeral for mm-hmm. Margaret yeah. East. Yeah, the funeral happens like twice. Or there might yeah. be like a memorial service in the boarding house and then an actual uh the lower the actual burial. It's but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know because in the final funeral, the one girl is wearing the jacket that was stolen from her literally in the scene before. Yeah. So it may have been a flashback sort of or a, thing. a dream. Or dream. Um, but yeah, the priest, uh, if you want to picture him, uh, go find pictures of James Woods from the movie True Believer from the late 80s. Yeah. Uh, James Woods with an in- impressively long ponytail for somebody like James Woods. Yes. Uh, it's not flattering. No. <laughs> now imagine it pulled off even worse mm. and put the guy in a priest costume. With it, it's he's pretty gross looking. Yeah. Uh, so, and then that's it for the priest. He's out yeah. of the movie. And so after the again, just five minutes of this guy's fake dick. Yeah. Ejaculating. Just so ejaculating. much. Ejaculating. Uh, things kind of move to an ending point. Like they get the they get the hool- the cult hooligans back to do a seance. Or actually, no. Okay, first, uh, the main, the quote-unquote main girl is uh, visited by, or she sees an apparition of Margaret East, <laughs> and then <laughs> she, she like Margaret, the ghost of Margaret runs away, and the main girl has to try to find her. And I nearly made 
Patrick de- uh, hyperventilate when I said, "Look at how ethereally she's hu- the ghost is huffing it away because mm-hmm. she's just clomping down the middle of the street. There's nothing yeah. supernatural about it. It's just like yeah. oh, thump, 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 yeah, the most unghostly getaway I've ever seen. Yeah, like they didn't even try to do anything like." Overlay the frame again, so you like she have her fade out or something. Yeah, yeah, something. Something. But no, it's just a girl running down the street in clod hoppers. Yeah. And now, so then, the main girl get none of nobody is ever named in this thing. Uh, the main girl meets up with two two of the cult members, and they say like, "We can get to the bottom of this, or bring the ghost." Yeah, we out, know or people that do, can some, do this. What are what are what is anybody trying to do in this movie yeah somebody offhand mentions that ghosts are real and can you contact them no but i know people who can (laughs) oh that's yeah should that after the chase they wind up in the woods yeah yeah Um, in the cemetery yeah uh which was actually a nice location yeah oh a lot of great locations uh this was filmed in staten island and it looks like a lovely area to shoot something like this i kind of reminded me of the town from the Frighteners, even though I know that was New Zealand shot. Well, it, it did have a lot of hills. And yeah, so that a lot of hills a lot and of, a lot of like yeah. that like late 50s, early 60s design to the houses. Yeah. Um, just like quaint, small mountain town. But no, nah, it, was, it, was, it was a pretty area. Ah, that's what it is. Reflections of Evil. This movie reminds me of this horrible. Oh, God. You know, yep, yeah, I, I knew if I could find the title, you would, you would, you, you had to have heard of this thing. Yeah, this thing, like this is very much. Have you ever seen Reflections? I've seen it. Yeah, right. Doesn't yeah. this feel like that? I like can, somebody yeah. that has an idea and wants to do it, but has no tools or skill to actually do the thing. Yeah, that was the first time. Like I back when that came out. I was writing reviews for a site and I got a screener of it and it was the first time I decided it just wasn't a good idea to put a review up no I didn't want to be mean like if you have nothing nice to say right and I tried to be good about that I would I would make my jokes but I really just we're trying to find stuff to like about this movie. I know. I wanted to like it. I like. I appreciated going for the yeah. Lynch stuff. I'm a huge yeah. Lynch fan. And, and we we're not against amateurs doing things. They yeah, should we, be doing. Make your art. Do the thing. We've gotten this far in all of these. There was, and it's not the most boring of any of these. No. Um, oh, definitely not. Stuff is something is always happening. Yeah, but for some reason, it's it just annoying. Just, it, it's an it's headache inducing. Yeah, I think a lot of the overlighting, a lot of the weird edits, and just the shaky cam. Like I honestly felt a little ill at the end. Yeah, no, everything about it, just everything about it's terrible. So we we have the cult does a seance, lights flash, one guy floats, and then. I mean, I'll use the phrase, everything goes off the rails, but that implies that things were on the rails to begin with. True. Uh, and then we just have uh, like a whole sequence of just nonsensical things happening. Yeah, well, they have the seance, one of the guys gets thrown around, and one of the girls runs to the basement where she finds yeah. a violin in a toilet and some chairs nailed to the right. wall. And then the video and, cassette. And a video cassette that 
Um, it's like a camcorder cassette. Yeah, it was. It was. It's smaller, like a Betamax, but it wasn't a Betamax, yeah, and it was yeah. bigger than like a high eight tape for anyone yeah. who knows and cares about it. Anyway. But somehow, magically, they have a device that will play it. Which I, I yelled can, at the screen. I was like, no, nobody would have this this player. I feel like this being um, uh, Greenwich Village Art Collective putting the movie together, there's somebody that's hipster enough to have had it. Well, obviously somebody that's hipster. The people in the Amityville boarding house would not have a thing to play this tape. Just because, hey... Just because we're sitting surrounded by your goddamn laser disc collection, yes, is it theoretically possible people have these things? Of course, but in the like the quote unquote reality of the film, these people would not have a player for this tape. For those of you listening, yes, I do protest too much. Yeah, you are. And on this tape, and this is supposed to be kind of like the, the the tape of uh, Donna and Laura farting around, like yeah, oh, where you find like, yeah, here are all the clues and, and everything. The yeah. eyes and blah. We have Margaret East reading some weird spoken word poem or manifesto. Yeah. It again, much like <laughs> everything else, it's very in, like very pompous, pretentious, and has <laughs> nothing to do with anything. Yeah. She's discussing John Calhoun and how he created Universe 25 and how now the house has her. You're better than me. I I, I had to look away. I took some notes. Yeah. Um, But yeah, like it's, again, a broad manifesto that could be seen as deep and heavy if it had any sort of connective tissue. Yeah. There there are points, there are so many points where this movie could have turned into something interesting mm-hmm. yeah and it chooses not to yeah there's a lot of spots where, oh here we go oh oh, oh no. there we no, go no no wrong um so yeah the, we watched the tape and that drives the detective further insane because he's batshit from moment one yeah but now he's like pulling a now he's pulling a gun on them he kidnaps the main girl mm-hmm. uh and they drive off uh, the other girl that was in the lesbian scene earlier, they're, they're together. Uh, she, everybody runs out. She's left in the room. She gets locked in the room. Yeah. And slams shut on her. And then giant spider legs start yep. scrambling under the door. Yeah, they do. Except uh, played at like triple speed. So it's real hard to yeah. get any sense of and, it. Well, they are made out of paper. So it's true. fine. And like they're like, it's literally just flat paper. Yeah. But it, it, you know, it works for what it is. Yeah. Uh, so, so she grabs a hammer to beat the spider to death, mm-hmm. and beat the spider to death she does. But then, yeah, she because she opens the door to beat this spider to death. The door that had locked on her that yeah. trapped her in the room swings it open, starts beating away, and then it turns out it's the girl who had done the strip tease earlier. Yeah. Uh, with a giant Gorbachev spot on her forehead. From the hammer. From the hammer. Um, luckily, the light bruising was enough to get her out of the movie. Yep. And so the uh, the lesbian girl is... We see her on the bed trying, like, hoping that her friend is not going to die. We cut, uh, like... And then the boarding the 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 head of the owner of the boarding house ends up falling down the stairs for some yeah. reason. She gets to the top of the stairs and then just goes backwards. Yeah. Tumble, 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 and as she lays there, there's this weird voiceover. Yeah. Saying, um, "This Wouldn't is it? your worst fear. This is the yeah. worst way to die. 
all alone in an empty house. You know the house is not empty. Yeah, and you'll never see the sun again, and something, something. Yeah, so cut to Hank Denton and the main girl in the car. Hank is going nuts. The girl is just kind of there, half-heartedly saying things to him. I don't know if she's, like, accusing him of... Maybe this is, like, them trying to do Lost Highway, where it's like... Okay, and then, then an apparition appears in the middle of the road causing Hank to run off the road. Now, is the apparition Margaret East? No. Is it the manager of the the Amityville boarding house who we just saw died? No. No. Is it the girl that he attacked that had done the dance for him yeah. and just died? No. It is the heretofore still alive other lesbian. Yep. Just standing in the road, standing somehow, in the road. you know, miles and miles some, away, like some sort of Game of Thrones level teleporting. Yeah, and so she's in the road. Um, car swerves, and then retreated to some stock footage of a car rolling over itself. Yeah, and I'm tr- there's a movie, and I cannot freaking place it, but I. But it's like Black Dynamite, where they keep using like the same. Uh, well, yeah, there's that. Yeah. yeah, or the classic trauma car, like yeah. jump yeah. and flip. Yeah, but no, like, or the Toonses. Yeah, yeah. Same sort of thing. Yeah. But then, so Hank is severely injured, but the girl is fine. Mm-hmm. And the girl and the weirdo guy with the walking stick from the beginning take Hank back to the stair staircase from the beginning of the movie. And then, then uh, the girl garrots Hank to death mm-hmm. and throws him down the stairs. Yeah. At first, blood is shooting out of his mouth. Then it's yeah. bursting out of his neck through yeah. his hands. Not dissimilar to the rope upon rope of ejaculate mm-hmm. from earlier in the film. Yeah. Which will haunt my dreams tonight. Yeah. He was skeet, skeet, skeet shooting oh boy. a lot. Oh, boy. And so then, then we the girl get to... throws him down the stairs. Yeah. And then are we done? Uh, we're almost done because uh, uh, we do have to backtrack earlier in the film when the, when right. the people were Shit. saying, yeah, this this house <laughs> is weird, this house is evil, we need to get out of here, but it's going to be over soon, everything will be fine, yeah. it'll all be over. Someday, we're going to be on a train heading into Manhattan, going over the Manhattan Bridge, and we're going to look across each other. We'll be sitting on opposite sides of the train. And a barbershop quartet is going to be singing to us. And we're going to know it's over and it's okay. Yeah. So. Everybody's this dead. This all happened. Over, yeah, most of the characters are dead. And now we have this lightly sapia-toned footage of the two of them on a subway car. Yeah. Looking at each other diagonally. And there are people between them and we hear a solo voice yep not a quartet not a quartet and the guys between them are clapping their hands so i think they wanted to shoot the scene where they're just getting away and looking at each other but this quartet happened to get on the train so they wrote them into the script to explain the four guys and then realized they didn't have the licensing rights to the song they did, yeah. so it's just a solo singer. I'm I'm betting that's I, what happened. I think you're right. 
And then the credits play over the film poster. Yeah. Uh, if you want to not have to watch... Again, Don't it's, it's, watch this movie. Right. Don't watch it. But if you want to understand kind of what it's like, find some music videos from the Flying Lizards. It's a British New Wave parody art project band from the early 80s. Um, they well, did that a, doesn't sound niche at all. No, not at all. <laughs> uh, they did some very avant-garde covers of stuff like uh, Money, That's What I Want. Oh, is that? Okay. That's, that's yeah. that. Okay, yeah, yeah, I know that one. Um, and they did Sex Machine, Get On Up. Um, anyway, find, it, find some music videos of the Flying Lizards. Now, just imagine that shooting style for an hour and a half. This movie is 92 minutes long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, Lero and every other thing we talked about because the music videos were shot professionally. Okay, all my complaints aside, the actual background music for this movie was doing a really great Angelo Badalamente impression consistently yes. oh, yes. throughout the whole thing. Good, very like, consistently. Like, like, you could tell what themes it was riffing yeah. on, yeah. but it was In doing a good, a good sound a good like way. riff. Yeah. It did, yeah. Like that was keeping the Twin Peaks vibe going when it was just incomprehensibly mm-hmm. bad. Which this movie is. This movie is incomprehensibly bad. Yeah. Uh, even um, a lot of the soundtrack, uh, not every song, but there were songs through the movie, like, yeah, you have some really talented musician friends. Oh, which yeah. is why like, I think it was a punk house, not a film house. Yeah, like, what was it? Uh, Vomit Fist by Slutfuckers or something? <laughs> what was the name? I, there, it there was, was something. There's one song. Vomit Fist was definitely part yes. of it. I forget if that was the band name or the song title. Yeah. But it was perfect. I'm looking it up. Yeah. Don't watch this movie. Mm. Don't don't Yeah, resale value. This, this, this took so this took so much effort to track down. And yeah. it was just the worst. And I won't even say like we got our hopes up high because No. It's not that. Yeah. We don't get our hopes up on any of these at this point, just because yeah. And this is definitely not the worst one we've watched. That's that's still. Gonna I would still be, put this on over Asylum. Yeah, Asylum is still definitely the most brutal. That's still like we could at least engage with this one and ask why and what. Like, there's always something to see on the screen. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of the actual like composition of frame between the bad sets, the horrible lighting, and the. Lack oh. of any blocking, like any blocking or movement on our lifeless actors. It's um, I, like, I have trouble giving you uh, agreeing. Understood, and I, that's why I'm saying the composition of frames, separate from the lighting, separate from stability, separate from. I thought that there were some interesting choices for where to start, how to shoot it, just that it wasn't followed through with. Well, how do you shoot that? Yeah, I, I, I don't. I, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm. I, I just. I could not. I don't even. I don't think there's enough to even be able to say that you can see w- the beginnings of it. I can see with a competent cinematographer. Well, obviously, you're going to agree with your point, and I, we're going to keep going back and forth. I'm sorry. And another thing. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> you can't just. We can't just get into the like the tennis match of just like. Well, I think this, but I think this. Okay, but I think this. But, well, what is modern debate in podcasts? Uh, that's true, that's true. 
also, I'm just tired, a little punchy about this movie. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to think if there was anything we missed. And there probably is. There's too much. Like, it's weird. This movie does not tell a story, but there's too much in it at the same time. Yeah, I'm just, like, scanning. They don't even accidentally fall into a story, you know? No, no. You get things like a priest saying at a funeral, God knows where they are now. Mm. That's that's comforting. Um, we had all of the robes that people wore. A lot of people wearing robes Everybody's and blankets. Everybody's in their pajamas. Like, yeah. throughout this whole thing. It really made me uncomfortable. It's, I and feel- I kept waiting for, like, the three girls to just turn into a porno at any given moment. Like, that's how... Pajami they were? Pajami and just the look of the movie. The, the movie looked like it's just, you know, filmed in somebody's house. Which it is. Yeah. But in, like, the... And now they're just going to have sex. And this, one time they did. Yeah. And then another time it was just apropos of nothing. Giant cock shot. Yeah. And the ejaculate. Like, it's it was so one thing. I thought much. it was going to be like, wow, that's just, that's just a bit. That's just a dude's dick. And then it's like, oh, and we're going to have, it's going to fire. Mm-hmm. Great. Oh, and again. And, and uh, man, and wow. And again. still not finished. Yeah. He hadn't been stroking as near as we could tell, so he's just doing it with his brain. Yeah. What was uh, the Happy Time Murders? The public? I haven't seen that. Yeah. Uh, there's there's an ejaculate scene in that that I'd say is probably the only one I can think of that does more than this, and it's a puppet literally basically shooting a fire extinguisher worth of foam around a room. Nice. Yeah. Well, there's a scary movie. Um, you don't see the actual firing but you see, you see yeah the aftermath you, you see the load i'm gonna say this one was yeah oh yeah this is much yeah. worse they're like well there was like a fun okay like in comparison to like okay so the the obviously this is the worst but like say a good director like in uh spider the david cronenberg film he manages to subtly give the audience a facial mm-hmm. where have you ever seen that one spider no. There's a part where Gabriel Burns getting a handy under a bridge, and uh, uh, after the woman, I think it's uh, Miranda Richardson, uh, finishes him off, she walks over to the water, and the camera is as if it were in the water looking up, and she just kind of like flicks the the, gotcha. the semen off, and it goes directly towards the camera, and I was like, David Cronenberg just gave me a facial. Mm-hmm. I. Thank you, Dave. If any director is gonna, yeah. But it was one of those like, well, it's Cronenberg makes a little joke, visual jokes like yeah. that, and so that one's fun. This yeah. was just that also might have been his answer to. Have you considered doing a movie in three D? Have yeah. you seen my, this one? Yeah, exactly. But this this was just this is just a close up of of a dildo shooting milk. Yeah. To Keith Hernandez. To Keith Hernandez. Who I only really know from those Seinfeld episodes. Yeah. Which is... But, yeah, I, I agree. The resale value for this one is zero. Mm-hmm. God in heaven. Yeah, but... We've we've got plenty of other ones yeah, ahead. Yeah, we've got some of some of them have to be better. Yeah. Yes. there's even some from studios. There's one with Jennifer Jason Lee coming up. Oh, that is somewhere crazy. along the way. Yeah, possessed shark. Excited about that. We have one coming up. That's, I mean, it's a little ways off. 
that's an actual softcore. Hey! And I don't think it's going to be as explicit. I bet you it'll be better acted as well. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. All right, let's stop talking about this movie. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go get drunk. Yeah, I'm going to go get drunk too. Yeah. Oh, man, um, this was... You guys You guys don't know the sacrifice we make for you guys. Yes, you we, may have spent about the length of this movie listening to us talk about it. It's not the same. You you had the better hour and a half. Hey, we're actually considering you guys listening. Yeah. No, but no audience was considered in the making of yeah. this film. We took all of this time to make sure that you... Just go back and watch Amityville 2 again. I think that's Good just kind of... fucking A, Amityville 2. I, I know we keep saying that. It's really we're good. we're going to keep saying that. It's so fucking good, that yeah. Amityville 2. If there's a drinking game for this podcast... Yeah. When we mention Amityville 2. No incest in this one, at least. No incest. Just surprisingly explicit sex acts. Yeah. We did have a spider who was a woman, but... Yeah, it's not as good as the other Spider-Woman. And... No flies. Yeah. And... Not really even a house... The house wasn't haunted. Who? I don't even know. I don't know what this movie was about. Yeah. Oh, and apologies uh, if we, at any point in our conversation, have referenced Amityville movies that are coming up, because this (laughs) one, we literally... We have been trying to find this since the week we had scheduled to originally watch it. We record these all in advance. I found it basically this week that the podcast is going up. Um, we finally found it. So we've recorded a bunch of future episodes yeah. already. Yeah. And we know that there are much better ones coming there up. There are much better ones coming. So, you know, don't give up now. Stay with us. Mm-hmm. We promise. It'll get better. It gets better. This is a 1.7 rating on Oof. the IMDb. Yeah. But... <sighs> All right. Well, get out. Yeah, get out. If you want to interact with us online, you can check us out on Instagram or Twitter at Amityville Show, or you can send us an email at podcastamityville at gmail.com. 